up, everybody? Dan Urban and my partner Scott Fontana here, back with more from the Couchside Judges. Finally, the fights are coming back. UFC 249 is only a day away, and it features two title fights on an absolutely stacked card. Scott and I will share our thoughts on those, as well as everything else that stands out. Of course, we'll also let you know what to expect from a judging standpoint for when fights go the distance and the scorecards are needed. Dan and I also have a new installment of Past Judgment waiting for you. A very close title fight featuring this weekend's bantamweight title challenger, Dominic Cruz. He's got Henry Cejudo in front of him this time. But four years ago, he was staring down TJ Dillashaw in his first quest to regain the 135-pound throne. We'll let you know who we think should have won using our own modified scoring criteria. But first, let's talk UFC 249, Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. It really does look like these fights are going to happen. It's crazy to think considering where the state of sports is in the world right now, but here we are. And it seems from the outside as if the UFC and the Florida State Athletic Commission are taking the proper safety and health precautions. UFC COO Lawrence Epstein told Sports Business Daily on Wednesday that they're going to conduct 1,200 tests for coronavirus between this event and the two also scheduled for next week in Jacksonville. I had been concerned about this because of how much Dana White had been kind of dancing around the specifics of what the UFC would do when it holds its first return event. But I feel a lot better now, now that we've seen all the things that have been coming out about this. Uh, what about you, Dan? You're our show's resident expert on life with COVID-19 since you got over it. Yeah, I really am impressed with the precautions. I think they're pretty good. Hopefully they all work out. Starting with the testing, that was probably the most important piece. They were able to secure you know, 1,200 tests, including antibody tests to see if anyone's already had it. Right. Was unaware of it. Yeah, it was, my understanding is it's 600 antibody tests and 600 of the actual tests for the virus. We've been seeing on social media, everyone's getting tested, so it's always a good thing. They've provided each team with their own personal sauna and their own workout room, so they won't be mixed in with anybody else. For weigh-ins, they're spreading it out. It's going to be between 9 and 11 a.m., and it's going to be as few people as possible all spread out through that time period. On fight night, uh, we're going to see commentators at individual tables, which I think it may throw off their rhythm for a little bit and it may take some time to, you know, find that rhythm. And then all post-fight interviews are going to be done via headset instead of in the cage. And they're all getting wiped down headsets, fresh headsets to use. So they're not using the same one. Yeah. Or at least it's clean before each use. Yeah, they're going to be going to a, their the designated interview area before conducting it. The entire production team is going to be wearing masks and gloves that are going to be around the cage. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to include referees or not. They always wear gloves, but I don't know if they're going to have to wear a mask while refing the yes. fight. Yes, I'm curious too. I haven't seen anything definitive about that. And when I asked the the Florida State Boxing Commission this week, I didn't really get a definitive answer. They kind of just deferred to what the UFC's big plans were. It was very general. Overall, I was really nervous because of the overtaxing of the hospitals with a fight-related injury. But since Jacksonville seems to having a little improvement in that area, I'm ready to go. You know, <laughs> I still feel like it's almost silly that we're having this right now, given all that's going on. But at least now we have the infrastructure in place in this particular city for them to be able to host this with fewer health concerns. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I, I, I like hearing all of the safety precautions that they're taking. But hey, you know, I'm pretty excited to see the fights now. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. So yeah, let's get into it, Dan. Tell me, 
what are you most excited about this main event between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje, the uh, the interim lightweight title fight? This fight is going to be all-out war. I don't see this having a any boring aspect to this entire fight. For however long it lasts, this fight is just going to be completely bonkers if it's just 30 seconds or if it goes all five rounds. You know, in a vacuum, I love this fight. You know, it's cliche to say uh, that a fight can't be boring, but I'm with you. I mean, this is this is definitely going to be true. It's not going to be a boring fight. The one thing that I'm really torn about is that if Gaethje wins, that means we may never get Khabib Nurmagomedov against Ferguson. And I, I think it's just so unfortunate that for as long as they've tried to schedule it, it just won't happen. My fight pick here is I do think Gaethje does stop Ferguson and ruin all the plans for this master fight that I've wanted. Uh, he's just got too much power and Tony's too hittable. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I see this being a TKO. I'm going to go third round TKO for Gaethje. Okay, I, I, I'd say probably maybe second round TKO. Judges, who we probably won't need in this fight, I think we both agree. The judges are going to be Chris Lee, Saudi Amato, and Derek Cleary. So they've got three of the very best in town for this one. So I'm very happy to see that. But, again, we probably won't need them. All right, Scott, what about the co-main? The co-main, yes, with Cejudo and Cruz, uh, the bantamweight title. Judges for this one, we should mention, because they're probably going to be needed, if you ask me. Chris Lee again, Sal Amato again, and Dave Torelli stepping in again. Three veteran judges. I definitely feel good putting this fight in their hands to judge a five-round fight between someone like Cruz, who his style can be a little tricky to judge, and Cejudo, who... As we talked about earlier this week, won a fight that was very, very, very close. Uh, so I, I like that we got some real good ones here. They brought in the best. Not that Cejudo can't finish a fight. Cruz probably can't finish this fight. Let's be honest, he's got one finish in the last decade. Uh, That's just not what he does. But I do think, actually, that Cejudo's going to win a pretty clear decision here. I'm going with Cruz. I think he's going to come out and he Cejudo's going to have a tough time dealing with all that movement. He yeah, w- he wins a five round decision. I'm not counting him out. I just I do really think Cejudo's probably going to take this. Well, we'll see. The other judges we should note for what is really a stacked card: three judges that maybe people aren't as familiar with. We've got Troy Winkapaw, Barry Luxenberg, and Howard Reichbach, who for the most part judge fights exclusively in Florida. Yeah, I have my uh, reservations about these guys. They don't seem to be the most experienced judges, but I understand, you know, you probably had to get local judges for this event for it to happen. Oh, for sure. I mean, they couldn't get in every single experienced judge from all around the country. Uh, I think that would have been probably pretty difficult. And I think Florida probably also would like to use some of its local judges uh, where possible. Having said that, Troy Winkapaw seems to be a pretty capable judge, probably just about as capable as you're going to find outside of the notable names. He's worked five previous UFC events, including two last year. I I feel good about putting him on there. It's the other two I'm a little more leery about, though, Dan. Barry Luxenberg, he's only known to work in Florida. He has worked three previous UFC events, according to MMA decisions. They were in 2012, 2015, and then once last year. You know, it seems like he doesn't work that often, so it seems like he may be a little rusty. That's entirely possible. I mean, we're only talking about major events that we know about. On the lower levels... You know, these guys do work other events. It's it's disconcerting when you don't see too much experience and what you do see is maybe things not going the right way. So I'm going to keep an open mind, but it doesn't appear he's the strongest judge. I am most worried about, though, Dan, Howard Reichbach. Now, he's a longtime boxing judge. He's got, according to Boxrec, 
252 bouts judged between 1989 and 2017. So he's been doing this for more than 30 years. He has never judged a UFC event per MMA decisions. So that's scary. Sounds like he's going to be striking heavy. Yeah, I would think anybody who comes from a striking background is probably going to have a little bit of a uh, an edge there. Now, what about the rest of the fights here? Obviously, this one's super stacked. What are like one or two that you're super excited for? Oh, I can't wait to see Cerrone and Pettis. I can't wait to see All Nick and Verdum. If you're a grappling fan, that's going to be awesome. That would be fun. A bunch of old men with, with some awesome grappling chops rolling around on the ground. Ezekiel chokes and triangles and all sorts of craziness. It's going to be awesome. That will be fun. Nico Price against Vincente Luque. That's going to be fun, too. Price always brings it. Luque always brings it. The one I'm most excited for on here, though, is on the prelims. Again, Jacare going against Uriah Hall. I really love watching Jacare fight. He's, he's just, to me, he's one of the best middleweight fighters that we've had in the last 10, 15 years. And it's it's kind of a shame to me that he never got a title fight. So. And Bryce Mitchell, he, he's a wild man. He's fun. Oh, thug nasty. He's ready to go. <laughs> he's going to twister this guy. There's not really a weak fight on this card. I'll tell you one thing I have no interest in, Greg Harding. I don't want to see him. Yeah, I can care less about that. So hopefully Jorgen DeCastro just knocks his head off. I think Jorgen's going to win this one. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, it feels good to be talking about actual upcoming fights again. Looking forward to evaluating the judging next week. But for now, let's wind the clock back for past judgment. Dan, as usual, will you remind everyone how our scoring criteria for this segment works? We basically use the same guidelines the ABC and most commissions use, but we've tweaked it a bit. We don't count aggressiveness or area control as tiebreakers when effective striking and grappling are even, so we can score more 10-10 rounds. 10-9 round is for a small but noticeable advantage by one fighter. We give 10-8s for rounds clearly and solidly won by one of the fighters. And a 10-7 is for a dominant round that would be a 10-8 under the ABC scoring. This lets us post more diverse round scores, painting a clearer picture of what actually happened in the round. All right, Scott, set up Dillashaw versus Cruz. So this was the headliner of a UFC fight night at the TD Garden in Boston. On January 17, 2016, Dillashaw had just stopped Henan Burrell for the second time six months before this. Uh, and at this point, he'd been the champ for almost two years. He'd actually won the belt just a few months after Cruz had to drop it because of many injuries and a long layoff that he'd had. Uh, the last time we'd seen Cruz in the cage was a non-title fight in which he knocked out in the first round Takeya Mizugaki in the fall of 2014. So we're still talking more than a year before this fight happened. Uh, but the last time he'd even defended that bantamweight belt that he used to have and didn't even lose in the cage was against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson in October 2011, more than four years before he fought Dillashaw. Cruz, for what it was worth, was pretty sharp, and he, he was he was ready to get into this with TJ in the pre-fight buildup. Uh, he seemed to get into Dillashaw's head there. I'd actually interviewed... TJ in the lead up to this fight uh, and one of the things that he mentioned about all the trash talk that Cruz was throwing his way is uh, well, I'll, I'll read to you what he said actually he said I just don't like the drama of him trying to pick on anything he possibly can or he's talking about stupid stuff that doesn't even matter we're here to fight I want to be entertaining so people will want to watch me inside the octagon not me talking and be on a reality TV show like the Jersey Shore or Real World I actually asked him, too, about uh, if he would touch gloves in this fight. Oh, yeah? What did he say? Uh, he said no problem doing it. Oh, and then he just didn't. Yeah, yeah, he just didn't do it. I mean, yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, I have no problem <laughs> doing it. And then when it came down to it, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it changes mind. That's all right. The judges for this one were Tony Weeks, Saudi Amato, and David Ginsburg. Uh, the referee was Herb Dean. All right, so let's get into round one. Dan, what did you score this one? This was a close round. I went 10-10. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I can understand that one. I did go 10-9. I did go 10-9 Dillashaw here. It was competitive. It was it was really close, very even striking. But I did give the edge to TJ, mostly for his body work. I really thought he was getting some nice, impactful shots into the body there. It, it kind of made a difference for me. Yes, for me, I didn't have any difference in his striking. I, I felt it was just right down the middle. If I did have to score it, and I wasn't allowed to give a 10-10, I'd do 10-9 Dillashaw uh, if I was scoring, like, cage side with the ABC criteria based on the aggression. Yeah, he was definitely pushing the pace, which, again, we don't factor into our scoring. But, yeah, I, I can understand why you'd go that way. I definitely remember thinking Cruz won this round the first time I watched it. But having watched it again now a few times recently, I, I don't really – I wouldn't agree with that line of thinking either. So I, I think I'd be with you. You know, something interesting that stood out to me was was actually the takedown battle. Dillashaw was 0 for 2, but Cruz was only 1 out of 5. So as much as he was pushing hard for the wrestling Cruz, he really wasn't very successful with it. He had the one takedown that really didn't stay down at all. It was almost nothing to grade from it. And TJ really, he didn't even fight that hard to get away from a lot of the takedown attempts. It was... To me, a good start for Dillashaw to show Cruz, I'm not going to be that easy to wrestle. Yeah, I think uh, this was the first fight TJ was actually taken down as champion. Yeah, I mean, obviously Dillashaw comes from a wrestling background himself, uh, just like Cruz. But by this point, Dillashaw was already starting to prove himself to be a very good striker. So I think sometimes people were starting to forget, or maybe by now we've forgotten that TJ's a really good wrestler, but but he is. Um, and this this first round showed it. It wasn't going to be easy for Cruz. If he thought he was going to get more takedowns than that, he had another thing coming, obviously. The judges that night, DiMato and Weeks, both saw this for Dillashaw, just as you and I did. Uh, and Ginsburg had 10-9 for Cruz. All right, Scott, moving on to round two. How'd you score this one? This was a 10-9 Dillashaw round for me as well. Same, same as first round. Okay, I also went 10-9 Dillashaw. Okay. I had it extremely close round. Yeah, no, it really was. Really through the entire round until towards the end of the round. I'm not sure the timestamp. Dillashaw lands a clean right head kick. And I said, oh, that pushes it his favor. I even had it in Cruz's favor slightly up until that kick. Okay. And that was the tipping point and gave TJ the round in my eyes. All right. No, I can understand that. You know, for me, though, Dillashaw, again, because it was a close round, you needed something to, to tip it. But I thought Dillashaw was landing more solidly while he was pushing uh, forward than Cruz was moving backward. You know, with the, the momentum that Cruz moving away and moving backward, I just didn't think his strikes were as impactful. They didn't appear to be, for sure. They weren't deterring TJ in any way. Cruz, he had the two takedowns that were very briefly on the mat, too. But he really didn't land any strikes off of them, so I didn't want to weigh those into my grade. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel I feel okay with Dillashaw here. It was, it was really close, though. If, if it was a 10-10, I'd get that, too. Yeah, for me, it was just so close. A one-strike difference, basically. It was. In, in fact, by the numbers, Cruz outlanded Dillashaw on significant strikes 17-16. to 16. So Cruz only had one more than him. This is essentially identical. Yeah, except none of those had the same impact that that kick had. No, no, definitely not. For me, though, the, the strike that kind of stood out for me was maybe uh, one that didn't register as much for other people. It was this really good right hook that Dillashaw landed about two minutes, ten seconds into the round. 
and that really stood out for me as like, oh, that was a nice clean. That was probably the the cleanest punch or strike that was landed to that point in the fight. And it was where you really started to see, okay, Dillashaw's not just edging it. He's like, okay, he's really getting in his face and landing with good, solid impact even to the head. Yeah, and that came off that left head kick that was partially blocked. Yes. Cruz actually did wobble slightly after that punch as well. He did, yeah. That one stood out for me. I just didn't see any punches like that from Cruz or any strikes like that. They did, you didn't see visual impact other than connection, and connection's not necessarily enough. You really want to see impact from it. The judges, all three actually went for Cruz here, which I did too when I was watching. I think probably because when I was watching four years ago, I probably weighed the takedowns more heavily than I should have. Well, the takedowns, they could be scored as aggressiveness and control. So if they judges had it even in their mind, they could say, oh, that that's the reason why we're going cruise. It's true. It's true. This isn't, it's not egregious to go uh, cruise this way. But in our scoring system, it's it doesn't work as well. You know, maybe 10-10, but probably not really for cruise. Cumulative score, at this point, you have Dillashaw only up 20 to 19 because you had the 10-10. And I've got two rounds to none, 20 to 18 for Dillashaw. So what about round three, Dan? What do you have for this one? Round three, I scored 10-9 Dillashaw. Yeah, me too. Another Dillashaw round. I'm, I'm three for three on Dillashaw here. Um, he's just piling up rounds. But the funny thing is, even though I've given three straight to Dillashaw, I really see this as just a, a razor close fight. So my score almost doesn't reflect the fight itself in the way that I wish it did. But it's, this is where we're at. The reason I gave this one to Dillashaw, even though it was super close, was that he got Cruz bleeding from the mouth. I think it was his lip that got cut open. Uh, that was noteworthy damage that we hadn't really seen anywhere in this fight. Yeah, same for me. I didn't see too much else that stood out one way or the other. Same for you? Yeah, solid left, right to the mouth. Good immediate impact. Yes, we, we like to see the damage there, which, you know, damage isn't explicitly in the criteria, but it's implied. Uh, so we're looking for that, and that's, that was good to see. Um, I mean, Cruz did have his moments in this round, but... Uh, he could, He did, yeah. But it didn't, uh, it didn't surpass what Dillashaw did. I really could understand a Cruz round here. Like, if you went Cruz, I wouldn't have been too upset about it, too up in arms, even in our scoring. Oh, yeah? No, for real. It It's just, yes, he was bleeding there. Yes, that's impact. But we were seeing good offense from Cruz. It was it was very tough. So, but, but I did ultimately go Dillashaw here. Yeah, I thought TJ was actually starting to turn a corner here and start to separate in this round. Yeah, how so? Why was that? Uh, he started moving a little bit slower, I felt. And, you know, Joe Rogan mentioned this. Oh, he's fighting flat-footed. But I think that was by design. I don't think that was by anything cardio-wise. I think he was slowing it down because Cruz is moving so much. He wants to see it better. And I think it worked for him. Yeah, I can see what you mean there for sure. And uh, for me, though, not that this was a significant moment so much, but I thought it was an interesting thing to mention here is that Cruz gets a takedown with about 100 sec seconds left in the round, right? Probably the best takedown of the fight we've seen at this point, but it's still really brief. And TJ scrambles out of it pretty easily. I just don't want takedowns like that to be graded too strongly. That's something that I worried about looking back is because when I watched this fight live, I also gave this round to Cruz, and I think it was things like that. And these are the things that over time I've come to understand you need to look for more than just he got a takedown. What did they do with the takedown? Was offense created from it? Yeah, it actually looked like Cruz tried to grab some kind of choke in the midst of the scramble, but TJ was already basically yeah, all the way out. Yeah, he was fishing for it. 
he was fishing for it, but he didn't get it. He wasn't even close to it. There was no sub attempt. Yeah. But it was it was you would call that I think aggression more than actual grappling right, yeah. uh, success, um, which is why again you you can understand why the judges uh, in this case Tony Weeks and and Ginsburg went ten nine crews here, whereas Saudi Amato went like us ten nine Dillashaw. Sal's doing a great job. He is. He is actually. He's he's seeing it. The <laughs> he was prescient. He saw everything the way it really should have been. Um, so your cumulative score. You're at thirty twenty eight Dillashaw, and I'm thirty twenty seven for TJ. The one thing I wanted to mention that numbers wise that stood out was the fact that Dillashaw in this round was five of five on leg kicks, and Cruz didn't even attempt one. He's really just becoming a little too one dimensional for me. All almost all punches to the head without a ton of power. Meanwhile, TJ he's mixing leg kicks that aren't checked, and they're starting to accumulate. You're starting to see just a little bit of slowdown from Cruz. Yeah, the leg kicks are starting to take its toll in this round. Okay, moving on, Scott. Round four, how'd you score it? Championship rounds now. I, I again, went 10-9 Dillashaw. So four for four on Dillashaw, 10-9. Okay, I actually went 10-8 Dillashaw this round. You did? Oh, yeah. okay. I thought this was clearly Dillashaw's round. I thought it was his best round of the fight this far. Okay. It's tough to make an argument for Cruz in this round. Yeah, I, I don't see much of one. So clear winner for Dillashaw. That's a 10-8 in our system. Yeah, I think he was definitely the stronger striker. Good clinch work against the cage. Yeah, he was landing those hard knees. That was great. But that was right after he landed, or shortly thereafter, that he landed this really awesome kick to the left leg about 100 seconds into the round. And this, for me, this was where I thought things turned. You saw it a little earlier, and, and maybe you're right. But for me, when I'm watching, when he lands that kick, and Cruz responded with a takedown attempt that Dillashaw basically just shook off, you saw a lot more desperation in the offense that Cruz was kind of putting out there, I thought. Yeah, this was a super heavy leg kick. Probably the most effective strike of the whole fight. It might have been, yeah. I think it really completely altered what we saw over the next you know, nine minutes or so of the fight. After Dillashaw shook that takedown off, he lands uh, this nice right hook on the break. I think that was like kind of a, I got you. I got you, Tom. You're, you're not getting this. <laughs> So a little bit of an fu, <laughs> but I know I couldn't go all the way to ten eight here. I did think about it, but I didn't quite get there. I didn't think the dominance in the striking was there to the same degree, and also there was that cut that TJ suffered by his left eye in the round. I did want to mention that. Yeah, that was one thing that I thought you have to give that some points there, because if you're if you're gonna give points for Cruz having his lip cut. You have to give it the same way. Right, except the thing is, that cut on Cruz's lip was caused by a punch. Yes. This cut on the eye happened in a scramble against the cage. Yeah, I couldn't figure out exactly where that came from. What, what was that? It was either an accidental headbutt or an elbow, like like an accidental elbow, not an intentional strike. So I did but not it's, but weigh a legal that. strike. It wasn't a strike. They're rolling around in the midst of a scramble. They just bump heads or they, you know... Someone runs into someone's shoulder. It wasn't an intentional strike, so I, I gave it no weight in my decision. Mm -hmm. You know what? You bring up a fair point because I this is something we should talk about here. I didn't see the actual strike that caused the damage, and that's on me as a judge. You know, if, if we have to be honest here, if I'm not seeing the strike that actually caused the damage, should I be grading that? Maybe I shouldn't be, even if I missed it. That's just uh, on, on a lack of awareness or 
an inability to see it from me. The thing is, in this, any, unless the judges had monitors, they wouldn't have seen it. Of course, yeah. I don't want to fault judges who might have missed that themselves because monitors are still not ubiquitous at commissions and in different states and things like that. They really ought to be. I think we should give the judges as many tools as they can to do their job to the best of their ability. We don't want them to be in situations where they say, oh, you know, guy was on the other side of the cage or I just couldn't see the ref moved in front. And that's not fair to the judges doing their work. Having said that, maybe I do need to give more consideration to a 10A because I did factor that cut into my score. So I don't know. It's, it, you know, it's one of those things that what's the right way to do it? Cruz definitely made it worse with those pitter-patter strikes when he was stuck against the cage. Yes. So he definitely opened up a little bit, but the reason that he was even bleeding wasn't anything uh, Cruz did intentionally. Sure, sure. But we don't we don't know one way or the other what exactly it landed. So maybe I need to be cognizant of that. You know, that's that's uh, that's on me to get better. Uh, not that I'm an official judge for certain. You know, we're judging fights for our show. And I like to think of myself as someone who understands the sport. But even the most professional of judges admits that they can get better at their craft. Oh, for sure. Now, cumulatively, our scores, I have 40 to 36 Dillashaw, and you have 40 to 36 Dillashaw because you have the 10-8. Yep. And that negated your 10-10 earlier in, right. in the fight here. So we're at the same place here. Uh, the judges in this round, Saudi Amato and Ginsburg, both went 10-9 Dillashaw. Tony Weeks went 10-9 Cruz here. I don't see it. I struggle for that one. That's... That doesn't make as much sense. Uh, I would love to know what his thinking was there. But and, and at this point, too, Weeks and Ginsburg now have 39 to 37 crews. So really, because two of them already see it for crews up two points, Dillashaw needed to finish at this point. Mm -hmm. The Amato actually went the other way at 39-37, so <laughs> he'd be looking for crews to try and finish it. It's, it's, it's a very strange thing that we have the scores we have through four rounds. So let's take it to the final round. Dan... What's your score? I went 10-9 Dillashaw. All right. I went 10-8 Dillashaw. Okay. For me, this was his strongest round. I thought at this point, he's flowing so hard right now. Excellent attacks um, to Cruz's left leg, and you can just see the desperation in the way Dom's offense is. It's just not – I mean, he's putting out the output. He's certainly landing, but he's not landing anything that Dillashaw isn't answering. Very active, obviously, in this round. We had a combined 63 significant strikes landed in this round. It was wild. Uh, the, you were seeing the pace just increase as you got to round five. And again, I think that speaks to Cruz knowing that he needs to do something more, or at least feeling like he has to do something more because he's fighting uh, hurt. I had Dillashaw en route to a 10-8 early. Uh, he landed a big head kick, a strong body kick, but towards the end of the round, Cruz started putting those combos together, and I felt that kind of closed the gap to get him back to a 10-9. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I I saw what you meant here or what what you're referring to, and I kind of toyed with a 10-9, but I still felt it was a strong enough 10-8 round for Dillashaw. For me, though, the, the moment that really stuck out in this round was, was in the first minute or so, near the end of the first minute. TJ connects with this nice right hook again. He was finding this right hook a couple times in the fight, but a few moments later, he steps in for this Big left high kick. And I thought that was probably the cleanest head kick that he landed all night, actually. Yeah, it was a, that was a nice one, right to the forehead. It was, it was, it was good. Interestingly enough, from the numbers that really stood out for me, Cruz at this point 
is completely headhunting because 96% of his significant strikes thrown in this round were aimed at the head. He threw three strikes to the body, not kicking anymore, not to the legs at all, not trying to slow Dillashaw down in any meaningful way. And I don't understand why you do that when, when your opponent is pressing you like that. you got to do some more to change it up. Dillashaw, he only targeted the head 78% of the time. So you're seeing a more diverse attack. And it's also coinciding with the fact that he's showing a bigger advantage. So to me, that tells you just how successful it was to change it up a little bit. Dillashaw definitely did really well in the striking game. I think if you gave it a couple more rounds, because let's face it, these guys could have gone to... Who knows how many more rounds? Probably two more rounds at the very least. I don't know. I mean, Cruz's leg is, is really hindering him, and he said his foot was injured. So I don't know if he would have made it. I'm sure the leg wouldn't have made it, but I think cardio-wise, oh, we're not yeah. seeing someone who was out of gas or anything. He was... He was. They These guys could have went probably another five cardio-wise. And that's what I mean. I think if okay. you gave more time, you might have seen Dillashaw be able to even find a finish. Or very clearly leave his stamp because all the momentum is heading his way. Yeah, he he could have finished this if, they had, if there was more rounds. He might have been able to. Maybe with leg kicks, that would have been tough to knock out Cruz uh, with head punches. He wasn't really landing anything that had Cruz really rocked throughout the five rounds. Yeah, Cruz is he's a master at not getting hit. Yeah, that elusiveness that obviously everybody talks about with him. <laughs> uh, so at this point, you know, now that the fight is over. Your final score, you have 50 to 45 for Dillashaw, mm-hmm. and I have 50 to 44. And I don't know how you feel, but when I look at my 50 to 44 score in this fight, it doesn't match what I saw. No, my total score doesn't match the fight, but I believe our individual rounds match the rounds for the most part. Yes, I agree there too. The one thing for me that I almost feel like is if you could tell me, okay, we're through three rounds now. What's just pick a score with 30, you know, 30 being the max that somebody could get. And I would probably call it 30 to 29 Dillashaw because it was just a really close 15 minutes that we saw. Yeah, I could see that with round three being the one that put it over. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And then at this point, that's where Dillashaw obviously took over. But on the judges' cards, like we mentioned, Cruz was ahead. And in this round, Saldi Amato and Ginsburg both went 10-9 Dillashaw, but Tony Weeks actually gave this round to Cruz. Yeah, I'm not sure what he was watching. I don't understand it. This is the same, you know, we're talking about two rounds in a row that really should not have gone the way of Cruz. It doesn't really make any sense. At this point, even when I was watching at home, I definitely thought Dillashaw won the last two rounds. So the first time I watched this live. I mean, when I watched it live, I had a bet on Cruz, so I was definitely... <laughs> you were totally okay with it. I thought Cruz won it in devastating fashion. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> but I remember it being close. I had nothing on the line here. Just It's interesting, though, that both of us thought Cruz won it while watching live. Definitely thought that he won. And this time we watched it, we're like, well, obviously Dillashaw won. And this is part because we're using our scoring system, uh, which allows for us to grade things a little more impactfully and rather just the way things may appear or look and, you know, using things like aggression, which, you know, nobody's want to fight by being more aggressive. You want to fight because you hit the guy harder or you tapped him out, you know? Yeah. You know, so the final score we're getting from Tony Weeks, 49 to 46 for Cruz. Absurd. It's That is absurd. That was always absurd. Ginsburg had 48, 47 Cruz, and that, that's a score you at least understand. 
It's not terrible, but it's not great. It's it's not terrible, but you know, I think the fact that both of us when we watched it live had Cruz winning, we can't argue too terribly right. about that. But Sal Diamato, Sal the man, forty nine forty six. Dillashaw. I think he had a perfect. And that's scorecard. about as on the money as you can get. I, that was. This is why Sal is one of the best judges that we have. He gets a lot of flack, and you know he doesn't always have a great night. I, I distinctly remember him not being at his strongest in the last two UFC events that we had. But he's a great judge overall. I'm happy to hear that he is on the judging crew in these next three events. I yeah, me too. It was it was nice to see him. It'll be good to get back to some normalcy. Quick observations, though, about this fight overall. The one thing that stood out, just because we're talking about how close this fight was, even though we saw Dillashaw pull away, the significant strikes landed. Cruz had the edge 112 to 109 over the course of five rounds. Hyper close. But it was Dillashaw's impact and power that I thought made a big difference. Yeah, Cruz never landed anything that you would say was stronger than a Dillashaw strike. No, and you don't get points for being elusive. You did. All you're doing is avoiding points for TJ by not letting him hit you. That doesn't make you win the fight. He's usually the one. He eludes a strike and then hits you with one or two, and then he's gone again. Yeah, I think as much as he said ring rust isn't real after this or cage rust isn't real, I think he was a little rusty. I really do. Even even when I thought he won the fight the first time, he wasn't the same Dom that we saw. I think maybe offensively he was a little rusty, but I thought his defense was there. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, he had the one part of his game, but he didn't have quite the full picture. We did get the full picture, I thought, when he, he defended the belt over the summer uh, against Uriah Faber, won their trilogy. But then he just didn't look as... He didn't look like himself when he lost the belt at the end of the year to Cody Garbrandt. That was very much a Garbrandt fight all the way. Even though the strike numbers, if you look at them, not too different. And I believe Cruz actually had landed more strikes in that fight. But not even close to the same impact. If you saw Dillashaw as more impactful in this fight, Garbrandt was at a different level. Well, yeah, Cruz gets dropped a couple times. He does, he does. Not that we want to get into that fight. But real quick, just to update you on where Mr. Dillashaw went to after this, he, you know, he toiled, he worked his way back, he won against some really awesome bantamweights, and then he got the first crack at Cody Garbrandt for the belt the following year, took the belt, Won the rematch, and then after he lost his flyweight title fight to Henry Cejudo, popped for Epo. So we haven't seen him for a while. He's not eligible to come back until the beginning of 2021. That's all for now from the Couchside Judges. Check back with us next week as we evaluate the judging at Saturday's big return for the UFC and sports in general. Hopefully everything goes smoothly in Jacksonville. If it doesn't, Best believe Scott and I will have something to say about it. Don't forget to subscribe to our show and please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Couchside Judges as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. Follow me on Twitter as well at Scott underscore Fontana. Thanks for listening, gang. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, especially mine, my wife, and my mother-in-law. Hi, mom! Hi, mom!